Well, hello, folks. Good morning. Welcome to the fellowship. It's good to have y'all. Hope you're having a good new year so far. Um, so I have two words for us this morning: um, fight or flight. That was a kind of a joke. That's three words. Um, anyhow, so all, all people have these two responses in, in different situations. Um, when backed into a situation that threatens us, or we feel like we're in between a rock and a hard place, um, we either fight our way out of it, or we cut tail and run, right? And so um, sometimes that preservation aspect of our survival instincts kicks in, and, and we just want to get the heck out of there. And that happens sometimes. I had some friends that were visiting New York a few years ago, and one evening as they were walking out of a Broadway theater, they heard gunshots, and they took off running. There's three of them, mom and dad and a daughter. They took off running. Um, and the surprising thing that the, the whole crowd that was out there, only them three and a, another three or four people ran. Everyone else just stood there. They didn't move or anything. Um, and I asked, you know, were they, did they just stand there because they were like in shock of what was going on in the situation? And they said, no, they just stood there because everyone else realized the gunshots was just a car backfiring. <laughs> so it wasn't even that big of a deal. And they, they thought they were about to die in New York City, and it was it was not a big deal. So we all have this fight or flight instinct. Um, I don't believe one is true for us all the time. Sometimes, you know, the, the fight instinct kicks in. Sometimes it's the flight instinct. Um, I feel like... Um, you know, in certain situations, especially like in relationships, I think um, for the most part, it's it's important to to fight for that relationship. If that relationship feels threatened, or you're in that, you feel threatened that it's gonna you're gonna lose it or something. Um, unless there's physical harm that's happening, you know, then you should try to fight fight for the relationship, um, not physically, obviously, you know, but stay in your ground and. And try to fight for the relationship, whether it be um, a marriage relationship or uh, friendships, things like that. I've had a lot of friends, um, friendship relationships that I've had to fight for um, throughout the years and stuff. And so, um, but sometimes, uh, you know, we, we just got to get out of there. Got to have that flight, have the flight instinct. So we all have these responses in different situations. I believe um, that if we're, if we're prayed up and if we're read up, and if we're fellowshipped up um, with other believers, I believe when you're faced with that situation, you'll know exactly how to respond. Um, Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So this morning we're going to look at the understanding that God gave to Joseph um, when, when Joseph found himself in a fight-or-flight situation. Um, if you happen to catch yourself in a situation like Joseph, where Herod the Great is coming to kill your son, you probably need to go ahead and get out of there as well. Run if you can. So let's pray and we'll get into this text. We're going to be Matthew chapter 2 this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I pray now that you will open your word to us, help us to uh, see you from a different aspect. I pray that you will help grow us this morning and um, not just look at this, this narrative as is, but help us to dig into what is Matthew really saying, what would the original readers understand from from this text and so help us to um, follow you better based on this text and we pray this in Jesus name amen, amen. so Matthew 2 13 through the end of the chapter verse 23 
It says, after they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to look for the child to kill him. Then he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and went to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod died. In this way, what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet was fulfilled. I called my son out of Egypt. Verse 16. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became enraged. He sent men to kill all the children in Bethlehem and throughout the surrounding region from the age of two and under, according to the time he had learned from the wise men. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud wailing, Rachel weeping for her children, and she did not want to be comforted because they were gone. Verse 19, When Herod had died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking to seeking the child's life are dead. So he got up and took the child and his mother and returned to the land of Israel. When he had heard that Archelaus, Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. After being warned in a dream, he went to the region of Galilee. He came to a town called Nazareth and lived there. Then what was spoken by the prophets was fulfilled that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. So um, this account is often referred to as the flight to Egypt, Jesus' flight to Egypt. When I was... Uh, if I were to, I think, name the sermon, I kind of referenced this last week, but if I were to name sermons, which I don't, but if I were to name this sermon, I would call this leaving on a jet plane. Um, when I was a kid and I first heard this text being preached and called flight, um, you know, the flight to Egypt and everything, um, I kept waiting for the preacher to bring up Pontius the pilot, but he never did. And it was years later I found out, you know, that's from a different part of Jesus' life. That has nothing to do. He's not a real pilot. He's Pontius Pilate. He's a different, different person. Um, so in verse 13, it starts out with this dream. Joseph is warned in this dream. Um, we saw God send an angel um, to visit Joseph in a dream back in chapter 1 as well. Um, Joseph was ready to, to divorce Mary privately. Um, and then the angel Lord visited him and let him know that the child in her womb was a work of the Holy Spirit. And so he, he didn't. He ended up raising Jesus. Um, and it's a pretty good stepdad so far. You know, we have, this is like really the next story with Joseph, and he's protecting his son. He's, uh, he's fleeing to Egypt to, to preserve the life. Um, when we see God using dreams in other places of Scripture as well, uh, when Joseph was in, in prison in Egypt, God used dreams and the interpretation of dreams to orchestrate Joseph's release from prison and eventually put him in charge of, you know, all of Pharaoh's household, which eventually let him preserve all of the people, all of his people of Israel. Um, and then, uh, then with Jacob, when Jacob had worked for Laban for 14 years for um, Leah and Rachel, um, the long-standing relationship that Jacob had with Laban, his father-in-law turned sour, and God told Jacob in a dream to get out of there. Um, there's a few dreams in Daniel as well. And then finally... Um, the wise men were warned in a dream. Last week's text, the first part of chapter 2 here, Matthew. The wise men were warned in a dream not to go back through Jerusalem on their return after they found the child. Um, remember Herod wanted them to return to tell him where they could, where he could find the child so he could go and worship him. Uh, but then uh, the wise men were warned in a dream to go a different way, so they did. Um, so the question 
you may be asking yourself is, does God still use dreams today? Maybe. That's good. That's that's my answer. Is maybe, but probably not. Um, and I'll tell you why. This, this is uh, it's not just my opinion or whatever. I think it's a biblically rooted opinion. Um, there's a significant shift that happens between um, not just what happened in the Old Testament and now, but between what happened in the Old Testament with these dreams are happening um, that Joseph has here, and then now we have received the Holy Spirit for the really the rest of the New Testament. After Acts chapter two, we don't have it. So you know, Peter and John they both had visions. Um, Peter in Acts chapter 10, when he's seeing the animals pass by and the Lord's telling him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Um, but that was a vision. And, and John, when he's on the island of Patmos and he gives us the book of Revelation. Um, and it, but those were visions that, that says that he was like a trance-like vision. And so it doesn't really refer to them as dreams. Um, maybe you're thinking now that I'm bringing up Peter, you're reminded of Acts chapter 2 again. Um, Acts chapter two seventeen says, and in the last days it will be God. It will be God says that I will pour out my spirit on all people, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. So that's um, Peter quoting Joel, and I think when Peter is quoting that, he's talking about these last days. Those were the last days that Peter is talking about that were happening at that time. Um, when Peter is quoting it. These last days were pre- the present days for them. And so if those were the last days, where are we now? You know, think about how, how far removed we are from the last days even. Um, and so um, so that's just kind of my, my thought on that. Is now we have the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And so maybe you've had a dream and you're 100% convinced that that was God telling you to do something or not to do something or to go somewhere or whatever it might be. Um, I'm not going to say, no, that wasn't God. Because, um, one, I'm not going to limit God. Um, but um, I think that, like anything else, we have to judge that against what Scripture says. What What does the Bible say on that issue? So if it's a certain issue that you maybe you had a dream about, um, and I, I don't want to discount that at all, but um, it could have just been that you had pastrami too late at night or something. I don't know that you had this, this dream. Um, if it's contrary to scripture, if it's contradictory to anything in the word of God, then that's what you got to think about. I would also say, um, I would also, so you need to consult scripture in that, know what God has told us in his word. Also remember, um, we have the Holy spirit to God and direct us, um, what you perceive from the Holy Spirit, if that's contrary to Scripture as well, then that's not the Holy Spirit. Uh, then verse 14, it says that um, they got up and they fled to Egypt. In the night, they fled to Egypt. Um, the part of Egypt that they fled to is probably like, you've heard of the Gaza Strip, I'm sure if you've watched any news in the last 20 years. Um, the Gaza Strip that's still kind of on the, I guess it's the south south. Um, southwestern part of the um, of, from Israel down toward the Mediterranean Sea that's that's uh, that was Egypt back in their day and that's probably where they, they where they fled to um, and then Matthew adds um, this was to fulfill the prophecy from Hosea I called my son out of Egypt now uh, throughout throughout Matthew so far it's very matter of fact on all these things right it's it's very 
Um, this is just a narrative. He's just telling the story. And he's not elaborating a whole lot because, remember, he's a Jew. He's writing to a Jewish audience. So they're just going to understand these things that he's saying. Um, it's just going to be very commonplace for them. And so whenever he says, you know, they fled to Egypt to fulfill this prophecy, um, then to verse 15, that I called my son out of Egypt, they're going to remember that. Okay, that's Hosea talked about that. And in this section of Scripture where Hosea is talking about calling my son out of Egypt, Hosea is talking a lot, he's referring a lot to the Exodus account, of what happened in, in the story of Exodus where they're, where they're leaving Egypt. And so, um, so their return, and there's the other thing about calling my son out of Egypt. The word son in the Old Testament, can sometimes it refers to Israel as the nation. Sometimes it refers to the Messiah that's coming. And so Matthew here uses that from Hosea to talk about, you know, this was, Hosea was talking about the Exodus saying my son as in Israel coming out of Edom, or sorry, out of Egypt, but I'm using it to talk about the Messiah coming out of Egypt. This, this prophecy is being fulfilled here. And then um, finally we get to verses 16 and 17. I think this is probably um, everyone's favorite part of the Christmas story. Um, I love seeing this in all the Christmas pageants when it's portrayed where they're just killing all these babies. Obviously that's sarcasm. This is a tragic thing that happens here. Um, we, we, we don't ever portray it in, in any kind of a Christmas story. I don't, I've never seen any kind of a, a movie with this or anything. And it's just a tragic thing where and it, it goes to show how, um, just how cruel Herod really was. You know, we, we talked last week about how cruel Herod was, but this is just very tragic. When Herod, this is verse 16, 17, when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, basically the wise men said, yeah, we're going to, I guess, return, like you said, and then they didn't because they were warned in the dream they went a different way. He sent men to kill all the children of Bethlehem throughout the surrounding region from the age of two and under, according to the time he had learned from the wise men. And um, most, I think most scholars, just based on the size of the city and everything else, probably about 20 kids. Um, that would have been in Bethlehem at this time, around that age. Still, still tragic. You know, it could have been one kid, and it would have been awful. You know, uh, but um, you know, I guess the silver lining, I guess, is that um, because of the size of the town, it was only 20 kids, and it wasn't 200, whatever, um, as we see in other other parts of Scripture where people um, people are cruel and everything else. So. Um, and then upon their return, they're returning, Joseph has another dream. It says they're going to turn to Bethlehem. It appears when Joseph heard through another dream that Herod's son Archelaus was in charge, they went to Nazareth. So we don't have a very cohesive timeline of these early years of Jesus' life. Um, for Matthew, it appears like Jesus had never lived in, or Joseph and Mary had never lived in Nazareth before. We know from Luke's account, that Joseph and Mary traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem uh, for the for the census and everything. Um, I think it, it, you know it's not Matthew's point to um, to give a precise timeline here of all the all the exact events. Um, remember, Matthew's the Jew writing to the Jewish audience, so he hopes to give all these references to the various prophecies that are being fulfilled in the life of Christ. So, um, verse eleven um, alone. Sorry, in these 11 verses alone, we have three prophecies. 
that are being fulfilled. And there's there's more throughout Scripture, throughout Matthew's Gospel account as well. And the first one, as we discussed, was from Hosea. He's relating the deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt to the deliverer, Jesus the Messiah, coming out of Egypt. Um, and then this, the second one is from Jeremiah, where it says, A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud wailing, Rachel weeping for her children. She did not want to be comforted because they were gone. So Ramah is a city, it's about six miles north of Jerusalem, and that city was um, during the exile when all of the north was being exiled. Um, they were. It was kind of a collection point for the northern ten tribes. Remember the, the tribes split, so you had Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and all those ten tribes in the north that made up Israel. Um, they would kind of be collected in Ramah and then sent out to Assyria. And that was uh, 722 B.C., if you care. But then, it's talking about Rachel here weeping and everything. Um, you know, Jacob's wife, Rachel, she had um, two significant children. One was Joseph, who was, um, you know, that was symbolic of the northern tribes. And then... Benjamin was associated with Judah, the, the southern tribe. And so as all these children, as all the, the children of Israel, the people of Israel are being taken out into captivity, she is weeping for them. It's like she's weeping and she doesn't want to be comforted over it. And so this is symbolically Rachel weeping over her lost children here um, with all these children that are being killed by Herod. And then the third prophecy um, doesn't have a specific Old Testament reference. This would have been common understanding among the Jews. Um, but it's just this general prophecy about the Messiah coming from Nazareth. Um, we did discuss this when we looked at the gift of hope during our Advent series. Isaiah 11.1 says, A shoot will grow out of Jesse's rootstock. A bud will sprout from its root, from his roots. And that word for sprout is Nezer. And we get our... They, it eventually became Nazareth. So... Um, that sprouting up, Jesus was sprouting up like a twig off the side of an olive branch or an olive tree or something. And so it was just a common understanding that the Messiah is going to come from Nazareth. So other than these fulfilled prophecies, we see a few other truths that I'd like to recap here as we close. Um, one, God speaks to us through His Word. Um, if you're really wanting to know what God is saying, then we get, we got to look at God's Word. Um, what, what is what has God said, and we have to, we have to know it. You know, we have to dig into it, study it, and be um, just let it envelop us. Be people that dig into it and and really seek to understand. And then two, um, you know, sometimes God detours our plans. And that happens for us a lot. You know, here with this fight or flight instinct, Joseph fled and he went to Egypt. Um, I don't think it was his plan to, you know, they traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They were there for a few years um, in Bethlehem, at least, you know, maybe a couple probably. And then, um, you know, word got out that, you know, he, he got this dream. He got this word in this in this dream. And so he, he fled and he was told to flee, so he fled. Um, and I don't think that he was intending on maybe they were going to stay in Bethlehem. Maybe they're just going to make a new life there. Maybe they weren't planning on going back to Nazareth. I'm not sure. Um, but whatever their plans were, they got detoured. They, they had to go through Egypt. And sometimes in our own lives, we have to go through the proverbial Egypt. Um, 
I don't know how many of you, um, the plans that you had for your life has turned out exactly how you wanted it to be. Um, perhaps they have. I know, personally speaking, um, my life has taken all sorts of twists and turns. Um, yesterday was Carol and Ma's, uh anniversary, and so Wednesday was my mom's birthday, so we celebrated my mom's birthday last night. So Friday night, Carol and I went to dinner, and we were just sitting at dinner, just kind of talking about, you know, how how's it gone so far? What do we think about our life and everything? And I said, you know, it's it's been kind of crazy just since we've gotten married. There's been, you know, the way we thought it was going to go with with everything has has been uh, way different than it's gone way different than how we thought it would go. Um, and I'm very glad I had her to go through those things with. And I'm sure, you know, she was glad that I was there with her through that as well. Um, and nothing, you know, nothing terrible. We haven't had big tragedy or anything like that. It's just been different. And so, um, you know, had we planned it out, it would have it looked different. And so, um, you know, we've had to go through the proverbial Egypt, if you will. We had to take a little detour. Um, but in trusting God... He, he, he gets you where you're going to go. If, you, if you'll trust God, he's going to get you where you go. And ultimately, uh, we might not see it. We might question it. We might wonder why this is happening or why it's going this way. Um, but if we're, if we're faithful to God, ultimately it's going to be for our good and for his glory. If we're trusting um, God's plan rather than our own. Like Aaron read in Psalm 22 earlier, God has not abandoned us. Even if you may feel that way sometimes, He has not abandoned you. Um, it's okay to cry out to God in those times. I think He can handle it. Um, he, he understands. Just like uh, Isaiah 55, 8, 9 says, Indeed, my plans are not like your plans, and my deeds are not like your deeds, says the Lord. For just as the sky is higher than the earth, so my deeds are superior to your deeds, and my plans superior to your plans. Another verse um, from Isaiah, I think is encouraging, is Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. It says, Now this is what the Lord says, the one who created you. O Jacob, and formed you, O Israel, don't be afraid, for I will protect you. I will call you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'm with you. When you pass through the streams, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not harm you. God's not going to keep you out of the waters, but he will be with you. When you're neck deep in those waters, um, God's not going to keep you out of the rushing rivers, but He's not going to allow you to be overwhelmed by them either. Um, he's not going to keep you out of the fire, but He promises that you're not going to be burned. Um, so, trust God, study His Word, lean on other believers, lean on the fellowship of other believers. Um, and when you can't see what God's plans are, um, fight the good fight and flee from evil. I think that's, that's the, the point is, you know, fight the good fight of our faith and when evil comes along, flee from that. Flee from evil. God used Herod here as this, you know, really, a, we have a lot of types for Christ, but I think Herod here is a, is a type for Satan. He's out to kill and destroy and um, sometimes we need to flee from that. And so, um, Cling to his word and be um, be encouraged. So let's pray and we'll sing some more songs. We'll sing another song. Lord, I thank you 
thank you for your word. I thank you for this example that we have here with Joseph obeying you um, yet again and it working out good for him. Um, thank you for guiding and directing him. We know as you guide and direct us um, through your Holy Spirit and through your word, Lord, I pray that we will cling to that. I pray that we will be open to your leading um, where you want us to go, the direction you want us to, to go and the things you want us to do on behalf of you. Um, and so I pray that we'll be a people that follow after you uh, vigorously. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.